what is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover all the innovation happening across the Bitcoin ecosystem. I am your humble host, Jacob Brown, which will see me on MySpace and the interwebs as Jake Blockchain. And today I have a conversation with Caleb, which you may have seen around as Phosphorus on Twitter. He is one of the minds behind another podcast called Airdrop. It's a show all about NFTs, and they're kind of at the intersection of art, creators, and Web3. And I've got him on because there's just a ton to talk about in the space. I mean, NFTs and crypto are rethinking uh, the tools that creators have to sustain themselves and interact with their audiences. So we cover a ton of topics around that digital scarcity, what is an NFT? He gave a great definition, uh, where he thinks they're going, some of the nuances and things that he's learned over the year, and how NFTs have already kind of evolved as far as narratives go over the year. So fascinating conversation. I love this. It's also good to hear some of his background before crypto, what he was into. So yeah, this is this is a good one. I think you'll enjoy it. And so before we jump in, though, let me just pause for a quick word from our sponsor. We all know Bitcoin is for the innovators, the revolutionaries, and the builders looking to build a better world for themselves and for the next generation. We also know the saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. The same thing applies to building on Bitcoin. If you want to come build with the most active developer community building new use cases for Bitcoin, then it's time you make the leap to learning Clarity. Clarity is the stack's smart contract programming layer, which enables us to work on DeFi, smart contracts, and so much more, all built with the safety and security that comes with Bitcoin. Start today by going to start.stacks.org. Start.stacks.org has a five-step journey that will take you from complete Stacks novice to teaching you Clarity, all the way to finding a job with a Web3 Stack startup. Don't wait another month, year, or decade waiting to get involved in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Start building on Bitcoin today. Go to start.stacks.org to start learning and building today. All right, and without further ado, let's just jump right into this fantastic conversation with Caleb, aka Phosphorus, uh, host of the Airdrop Show podcast. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Caleb, how you doing today, my man? What's up, sir? It's a beautiful day outside and I can't complain. I, I love it. You're uh, one of my content creators in crime. So this is a, a different kind of episode. This is, is going to be fun. Um, yeah, I feel like I've made it. I feel like I've made it now. If, if I'm on the Jake Blockchain show, so Bro, this is <laughs> this is a step up. I might graduate. I I'm in the I'm in the varsity leagues now. You've reached the pinnacle. It's only downhill from here. I'm, I'm, I apologize. There's uh, ups and there's downs. That's what crypto teaches us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. This this will be this is gonna be fun. I think we're gonna dance around a little bit, and we're gonna talk a lot about NFTs because that's yes. kind of been your guys' hobby horse, and it's. Especially because this is more of a Bitcoin focused show now. A lot of Bitcoiners don't understand NFTs. They're they're pretty dumb to the idea. So we have to we have to educate the masses on where these uh, non fungible tokens are going and why they're valuable. Yeah. But before we get there, I want to I want to learn a bit more about you and your background. So before you got into crypto, what what's your background? What's what's a little bit about Caleb? Um, well, we can just back, back, back it up. Like, um, you know, you graduate high school 2007 and no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have the financial crash of 2008. I didn't understand what was happening until I was in college and, the, and I'd graduated college and the market hadn't even hadn't come back yet. And you've been built up with these dreams that if you can do what you want, go to school, work really hard. And the American dream is there for you. And it wasn't. And it's just like, wait a minute, I've been lied to my whole life. So I did what every college graduate 
does when they don't know what they're doing. I went back to school. Um, I got my master's in public administration and urban planning, and I loved that. But the problem with urban planning is um, it takes 100 years to see if your ideas work. And I didn't have the patience to wait 100 years and fight the uphill battle to make this happen. Um, so I turned into content. I started, I was, a lot of the stuff I was doing for nonprofits and um, in my government job, there was just a lack of marketing, it's, it, which is just educating the people on, on what's going on in a clear and concise way. So I just moved into making content. That's when you had, I mean, I'd, of course, we rose up with social media getting older. Um, and so I just, you just, I was watching Casey Neistat and I picked up a camera and said, if he can do it, I can do it, which was the dumbest idea ever. But I've been on this road ever since. And it's led to some crazy things, um, making full-on documentaries to working at startups, building out video courses, um, just getting my brain stuck into the marketing loop of, of how we consume things, how we learn about things. And that kind of leads me into, into the crypto sphere and how, because when I saw NFTs drop, right? Like, cause I was a big Gary V fan, right? As you're looking at marketing, creating content, how you consume it, Gary V is the guy, right? Tom Bilyeu is the guy. And so when all of my like mentor figures that I'm looking up to are talking about this latest thing. I went, holy crap. This is like when Facebook first got started, right? Because I was there and I watched it happen and how they grew. Uh, this is how the internet was started. Because I was there when it, we all got our first computers and we have dial-up internet. And you're like, this is so weird. Why are we doing this? Now I literally can't do anything without the internet. And so now when you see this next wave and what's building, what's being built on top of it, it just made complete sense for me to go all in on NFTs and whatever's happening in this space here. But I think I, I think I jumped that gun there on your next question, but it's that, it's that line of thinking of like, what can we do now? Because the wave is happening and how do we catch it? Mm -hmm. Whether that's making, making content for social media, right? Cause now being a content creator is the number one, job that high school students want to do when they graduate when you ask kids what they want to do they want to be a youtuber they want to be a tiktoker it's this there's something happening and some change happening and i just want to be in the middle of it that's why i'm here okay so your main your main push was this is where the puck is going to go i don't know how long it's going to take but when it's ready i'm going to wait and gretzky that ish and catch it and be primed was that kind of the idea so you you're preparing your future self for that and also being, you could be a leader whenever that hits. Right. I also, I feel like I'm behind all the time. That's just mm -hmm. the perpetual state of things. It's because you watch people and they're like, they're so much better. Well, they started 10 years earlier. Mm -hmm. You just got to start now, shoot your shot. You can't score unless you put yourself in a position to. So how can I position myself in a way to take a risk and have that risk pay off? Right. Okay. Um, interesting. Before we go too deep down more crypto stuff, I'm curious of the urban planning thing because yeah. you hear like city coins had an interesting promise on the jump. They're kind of figuring out their footing now. Uh, you have like city Dow, which is trying to like fundraise, you know, buying a big plot of land, doing everything by like grassroots, bringing plumbers, electricians, whatever. You have Balaji's like new network state book where he's trying to go from like the cloud and then you come down to physical reality. Are you watching any of that of like, you know, being able to organize in new ways and then put roots down physically in some fashion? And maybe uh, the reason I'm asking is because you said 100 year, these 100 year times and everything just takes way too damn long. And it seems yeah. like we can shorten that now with tools like crypto. But I'm curious on your take on that. I think it's the idea of, and I think crypto does this well, and there's some flaws to it just because of the nature of the game. It's easy to ideate, theorize, put an idea out there. We're going to re-centralize, like we're going to reorganize ourselves in this new economic way. And they, you, it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Um, there is no like fix for a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and human nature is what human nature does. And you got to really follow the money 
and you can see some of that now coming back into downtown systems um, if certain certain urban areas. But it just takes a long time, like as you saw with adoption of Bitcoin, where we're still there. It takes a long time for these narratives to really sink in. So people go, oh, this is actually good for me because um, people don't think like that in the long run. And it takes a long time to get those adoption of those things even started. Could it happen? Yes. Could a DAO replace a um, school board? Probably. Right. But you're going to have to fight those old systems that are dug in that, you know, we use that whole political movements have been started over patronage systems, right? Or people getting jobs because of their grandparents or who they know, yada, yada, yada. Um, that takes a long time to, to weed out and people don't want to get rid of those things easily. So could it work better in theory? Yes, it could. Will it? You had, that's a big battle you have to fight. And that's why I want to stay out of those arguments as much as possible because it, they are circular and they're going to go forever. And it's just two people yelling at each other saying how right they are or not. And I just kind of like just back out of the room slowly. I don't need to be in this room, which is right. why I left a public space to begin with. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I'm always like a techno optimist. And I always feel like we're two years away from like Amazon delivering my milk to my fridge directly in my fridge. Like it's coming. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we have all the tech, the RFIDs and the whatever, but it, the, the actual like boots on the ground stuff takes way longer than you expect. Right. I remember reading one of, like Andrew Yang's book, uh, War on Normal People, pretty much exactly says like uh, what a cryptocurrency like exchange would look like for, for services like a DAO you would or like a city coin. He like outlined it perfectly. I didn't know what the, I didn't know city coin was doing any of this at the time, but like those techno optimists are thinking in these ways and it 100 percent could happen. There's just a lot of things that have to happen first. Yeah. To really get that adoption to move forward and actually people see it as a benefit instead of them being pessimistic because trying new things is difficult. Difficult. Right. Do Do you think? Last question, kind of related to cities, is, um, you know, remote work at Zoom has like changed so fast in the past two years. Like I work through yeah. my computer now. Do you think the nature yeah. of cities and how like much of a gravitational pull they have is going to change in any big way? Um, I do think so. Yeah. We're even seeing part of it now. And I think web three is actually at the forefront of a lot of this because a lot of web three is remote jobs only um, because you can pull in more talent from more places. You don't have to, you can be in Kansas and Missouri and work in a company in New York. Um, and also the price of living is different in those places. And so I do think some smaller cities are going to see a boom again um, if they can attract the right tech hubs. But that means they have to build a certain way because these workers are going to want certain things. They're going to want walkable neighborhoods. They're going to want better restaurants. They're going to want different things. And can a city put all the pieces in play to attract those people? Yes, they can. That's going to be a lot of work. And that's not a it's not an overnight switch. Um, Austin, Texas is a great example of somebody that's done that 20 year switch to become a tech hub. So you can have some of these cities and I do think more people are going to spread it out. But if you, to, to get your experience, uh, going to a big city is probably the best move when you're just starting out. And it will always have that because there's the bigger network effect, more people, more people, more jobs, different types of jobs. Um, it's going to be harder to find the, it's currently harder to find me, the jobs I want to do in smaller cities, because that's the firms are in larger cities. Is it possible? Right. Yes. And I think web three is at that bleeding edge and it's going to lean more towards that. But I still, we probably still have a 20 year time horizon before it's really pretty. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I thought about it like that. Cause like the, I think the stat is like 70% of people don't leave their home state, which mm -hmm. you kind of hear that and you go, okay, that's kind of crazy, but also it feels pretty true. And then the people who do leave because they're nomadic or because they have access to capital, they could keep moving. Like they don't, they're not stuck anywhere. And so right. if they, if they, you know, some places like offering something that they say is super cool, they can go try it, but if it doesn't work out to them, they can go to the next place. So it's like the benefit of voting with your feet in some sense 
is like it has two pros and cons on that same side because I can just go to the next hot hot space if I want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Try to work your connections and work your way up. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Um, then yeah, let's let's jump into NFTs now, my man. This is this is a big topic. We got lots to talk about. Um, but for the Bitcoiners out there that don't know what the hell an NFT is, they, they want to be you know stuck in the sand. And you've been asking this question over and over all year. Mm-hmm. So now, put on the spot, in your definition, what's, what is an NFT? Uh, an NFT is just proof that you own a digital asset. Um, and I think Bitcoiners actually do understand this better than they think. Because what Bitcoin did for money, NFT does for, NFTs do for everything else. Because uh, Bitcoin got big under the premise that the way that we use money now in a centralized bank system um, is not beneficial to the holder. It's beneficial to the system and the institutions that are running it, right? They have to think in a much bigger schemes here. So with Bitcoin, there's only 21 million that will ever, ever be made. You have that scarcity built in already. And so it's, it's a better financial system in the long run for you to be a part of if you get in early. Um, And Bitcoin has done a very good job of establishing the narrative that it is sound money. Now, what NFTs do is they take this exact same concept. What Bitcoin did for money, they're doing it for everything else. So there's going to be scarce assets that are either digital or physical, and they will have a digital marker. And NFTs are a way to say, I own that, just like I own the Bitcoin that I have. It's the exact same concept. But what Bitcoin did for money, NFTs will unlock for lots of other things. And it started really with art. Art is the, the big way that it did this, like it moved in this way. Because when we look at stores of wealth, like you can hoard gold, lots of it. But buying an expensive painting is another way to store your gold in a different way. So what NFTs have done for art is another way to store your Bitcoin or your Ethereum or whatever cryptocurrency you have, but you're putting it in a asset that could possibly go up with time, depending on the artist, whether you want to buy an X copy or you want to buy one of Jake Fried's pieces. You have these art pieces that do work as a store of value in a different type of way. So what we're seeing now is almost like a new renaissance of artists that are using this technology and moving the space forward in this way of the acceptance of selling art digitally, which kind of goes to my background of like being in that creator economy, seeing how much money is being made for creators. NFTs allow creators to have another avenue to make money. It's just another medium from the, for them to, to do things. They could of course, get commissions to do certain projects. You can, they can get paid advertisements or they can sell their work directly, which is something that really has never been done before, especially with digital artists. Digital artists are in this weird in-between, but where do they fit in the world? Now with NFTs, they are clearly in the digital space, which means they can use and use their art and sell it also in a digital medium so that you could, of course, right-click, save, I, ha- I own this. Or you could have an NFT that is a marker, is a receipt that says, this is actually mine and I can trade it. And so you've, you've now inserted the scarcity into digital, ass- digital assets, just like Bitcoin introduced scarcity into the financial realms. Perfect. So NFTs are digital property rights native to the internet is kind of how to think about it. Yeah. That's the easiest way to think about it. Mm. And that's not going to be, yeah. And it could be anything. Yeah. It could be anything. So the NFT is the binding that is the proof of ownership, but what that points to could be whatever you could digitally point to a picture, a video, audio, uh, you know, uh, a single sign on to an app. It could be whatever. It could be whatever. It could, it could be your digital identification. It could be anything. Yeah. It's and I do think the term NFT will go away eventually. It would just it would just be I own this. 
It's mine. Mm-hmm. Every that's- every every two year old, it's a human instinct. They want to know what's theirs and what's not theirs. This is just that for the internet. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think as as metaverses and as chains, so as metaverses proliferate, whatever that means, and chains uh, consolidate into a main like few main ones that we use. That's going to right. feel more and more real. Where you know, I'll use. I mean, Polygon's questioning on a few fronts because they're getting huge brands to come online: mm-hmm. Disney, Starbucks. So whatever the Polygon like wallet infrastructure looks like, that's going to become more and more real because you're going to go to Starbucks and use your you know rewards points, and it'll be maybe a wallet infrastructure. I mean, so okay, my the town I grew up in is kind of it's famous for being the testing ground for a lot of things. So like, we got the uh, um, nacho cheese Dorito tacos at Taco Bell first before everybody else gets right. We're a testing ground nationally. One of the things that we were also tested for was debit cards and credit cards when they first came out. As people moved away from cash into just swiping, right? Swiping became the thing. So now and of course it took a long time for that to be accepted was it cool was it not cool how do i feel about this now i just use my phone for everything i have apple pay on there and i just boop scan it the exact same thing is going to happen with nfts we're not going to think about it's going to be on the blockchain or not it's just going to be it is in fact i'm going to want it to be later on because i know it's more secure than than having a a credit card or anything else like that. So we're already there. It's it's literally just two adjacent steps to this being adopted globally, nationally, um, rather easily. And Starbucks is going to be the one to do it because everyone gets coffee and is, is obsessed. So it's just right. an easy easy one for them to use. Yeah. So so when lightning comes to your town, it's on. It's It's game time. Right. It's like done bingo perfect my only issue with that though is i'm here for it but that's and, and this is where i this is where I, when i listen to your podcast i think about how bitcoiners think about this do i want to spend my bitcoin is that going to be the question mm-hmm. if it's is it a store of value am i storing up like gold in a treasure chest that i can pass down one day or is it a asset i want to use back and forth um, like money, and that's a question I I still wrestle with. I spend my other crypto. I don't spend my Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. I think my gut says, as the wallets get better, it's going to be easy to swap from BTC to a stable coin, and within your same app, you're going to have you know my hot BTC that I just kind of like tinker with. But when I'm going to I have my spending wallet that's like, you know, USDC and it's got a thousand bucks on it. And I just, it's, it's going to be easier to stay in crypto land when enough supporters have it to go from USDC to BTC than to have to find my debit card because I forgot it at home, whatever it is. Like carrying a wallet's actually kind of weird. Like why isn't my license and most of my stuff on my Apple pay so I can just leave the house with my phone. I think we're going to go towards that route. The wallet's going to die for the most part. Um, but I think the big, the big, what if right now, and I I thought about this with like the Coinbase card, kind of a cool invention. Like, you know, I can swipe it at any restaurant or whatever. It uses my BTC. The problem is that that's a taxable event. So the tax part is the thing that people don't think enough about. And if I'm buying coffee, I don't want to have to go to my tax accountant and, and like divvy up all the times I went to Starbucks because that's going to get really messy really fast. I think that one has to be solved for it to be like really hit critical mass because I felt this with like go back to the creator economy, like DoorDash or Uber. Nobody accounts for like, I got to withhold my own taxes because I'm a contractor. They always get hit at tax time. And they're like, what do you mean? I got to pay $800. I'm not getting a refund. It's like, yeah, bro, because you made, you know, 12 grand, but you want withholding. I think we have to educate the masses on that stuff first. Um, and until tools come online and people understand it, it's going to be a big lift. I also like when during my travels, you go to 
you go to countries that are not quite as developed or was we as us westerners get there we don't feel like they're developed um and they're they're gonna skip all of that they're just gonna mm. straight skip it just like they skipped phone lines right there there are no phone lines in the air because they was script they they jumped it and they went straight to straight to wi-fi um that and you're seeing that already around the globe in with like Bitcoin Beach and El Salvador and and certain of these other places that are using these transactions. And they're gonna really I think that's that's the place where innovation is gonna happen when it comes to payments back and forth. And you're already seeing it. Yeah. It's I gonna it's gonna be going back to the city conversation, if something's entrenched, it's very hard to undo that. Right. It's much easy just to start where there's nothing. Uh, and that's that's and you're seeing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like right now I'm reading the book by Charity Water founder Scott Harrison. Super interesting. Yeah. Like his, his background of like being a nightclub promoter, like one of the top in the city in New York, to then uh, you know, feeling empty, going doing this mercy ships thing, and then rethinking how we fundraise for charity through mm. party not using fear and guilt in some sense or shame, but like make it fun, make it a party, but also tangibly show like if you spend 20 bucks on lightning, you're doing this much good directly to someone in, you know, Monrovia right. or, or Libya, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a huge unlock where it's like, fuck all the tax. The tax stuff is like, I'll eat that cost. If I could see, boom, you know, my 20 bucks goes so much further than if I give, you know, $3 to the guy sitting on the, on the side of the road, right. like it just goes way further. I can feel that. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Interesting. Okay. I want to, I want to touch on a couple NFT kind of like, how do I word this? Like they've been evolving as far as the culture. So one was the royalty debate that happened recently. And that one was like up until it seems like a few months ago, getting the long-term NFTs seemed like the Holy grail where I can create it once, get my mint price. And then, you know, I can, just like how a Christie's painting might sell for you know millions of dollars, but then you're not going to get the tail end of that. NFTs were like, wow, I can get one percent forever, and you know maybe I just sell a thousand pieces, and now I just go off and chill, and I can go be free. Where is that settled? I have not been watching it super closely. Yeah. Okay. So when I first got into NFTs, that was like the main one of the main like selling points. So like you could get the royalties forever on this. So. In 10 years, when you've blown up, you know, you may have sold it originally for $100, but 10 years down the line, you're going to sell it for $100 million. You know, that payout's going to be huge. And it's in the smart contract. The smart contract is why that happens. I hate, and that's what I've seen over and over again. I said that. I've seen other creators much bigger than you and I say that. That's actually false. That's not in the smart contract. The smart contract is just pointing to an asset. Um, that's done by the marketplaces so the marketplaces set this up saying and that's been their marketing tactic to get people in the door to you our new artists like hey we'll give you this royalty fee anybody could technically do that with the that's just a website and the right coding and knowing where things go christie's could do that if they wanted to um that's the that's the argument so there is no so artists love the royalties. I want to, I believe in the royalties. Therefore, I need to use the systems that, that honor that system. Um, because if you and I trade NFTs back and forth, that's a, that's a trade. Maybe some money went back and forth, but that artist isn't getting royalties on it. There's no actual way to do that. Um, so that's the scary part. I believe in royalties and I like them. So I'm going to have to do the hard work of only buying and doing things on marketplaces that support the royalties. Got it. So it ends up being like the kind of age old, like vote with your dollars kind of thing where it's like, you know, if we don't support what Coke's doing, then don't buy Coke kind of thing. Like you just got to go to the right. places that support that philosophically. Right. Yeah. yeah. It becomes a, an internal moral question you want to do versus um, this is the way NFTs work, which it was built for a long time during the bull run. That this is the way it happened. It, that unfortunately, smart contracts uh, don't work like that. So, which is a 
big bummer when I found out because I would been, I'd tell, I told everybody, I told my mom, told my grandma, <laughs> they're like, this is awesome. Look, this is what happened. No, that's, I got, I got fooled. And that's not actually how it works. Did I, so, uh, did I hear something about you could whitelist marketplaces in the smart contract? So you could like set a whitelist and a blacklist so they can only be listed on that website. And that would potentially keep it more fair. But it sounded like the downside to that was the marketplace could change. But then two, is that really your asset? Like now you have shackles on things that crypto is supposed to be like, this is yours, do what you wish with it. Is that, is that, exactly. is that yeah, right? That's ex- right. You could, you could say only do here, but now you're limiting yourself to maybe something better will come up in the future. You've just said, I'm not going to be a part of that. You could have gotten 10% and you settled for five. So who knows all how it works? Um, all, I do have to say this: it's not a business strategy to for to depend on royalties, mm. and that's where a lot of NFT projects were like they, because right now we haven't figured out recurring revenue yet. Whereas in Web two creator economy, right, it's subscriptions. Low subscriptions is the easiest way to make recurring money. This is what that's how Netflix makes money. This is how Amazon makes money. It's these recurring things that we don't really see every so often. And that's the best business model. NFTs have not figured that out yet. Um, or, or a lot of NFT projects have not figured that out yet. And so they were using the royalties as that. So in order to do that, they did some shady stuff like you you go silent for a little bit and then you then you do a big announcement so the prices go up so you get some of that money and then you they were just doing all this weird stuff which just again feels scammy and shady which is of course the number one thing why people say they're not involved because it feels like a scam it feels shady so it's not the best business strategy if you're going to use royalties as recurrent revenue okay um there's one more little nuance I want to touch on as far as like uh, narratives. And that is um, people talk about digital scarcity. And so like, yeah. you know, it's backed by the blockchain. That's why they're valuable is because they're scarce. And from my view, I can't tell if that's true or not. I don't follow art at all, really. But it seems like in the physical space and the digital space, both are driven overwhelmingly by narratives over all else. Is that yeah. is that true, you think? And if that is true, do you think that's always true for art? Okay. I have a... I, I was, my parents are cleaning out their house in my old room. We have a, I found a Chewbacca mug from the 80s. It's one of 80 made, handcrafted. Um, it currently sells on eBay for like $80. It has value because there's only 80 of them. It has more value to me because I've freaking love star wars Mm. so there's that narrative behind it that drives more than anything else um and that's where can you for these nft projects can you create enough buzz enough hype enough narrative focus around these things that will drive the value up i think gary v is a great example right he put out his original characters and then they on his they, they weren't going to stay hand-drawn that he did it. He just wanted him to be the first one to do that. So on you know, level eight or whatever, those original ones are still going to be worth more than, say, level eight and level nine till it becomes commonplace and you see it on a backpack and you pick up a patient panda for your third grade birthday party. Like that's It's going to be different on how, on how it works and how we use that narrative. And that's all in how you tell your story, how you market. Um, and the NFTs really allow for those first... To prove, it's the provenance factor that a lot of people are talking about. I can prove when it was made and how many there are and when I bought it and how important that is. I do think a lot of NFTs even right now, are going to be worth nothing in the future, right? Just like in the dot-com boom, Amazon and Google made it out, and that was about it. Um, so those are, we've probably already seen those happen. And so now we're 
now waiting for this next round of projects that are going to come out in the next two to five years that really understand this concept more when it comes to storytelling and narrative and how you want to use this and how you want to draw attention and get people to buy. Like, just like you would get someone to buy a physical toy or a baseball card or um, a 1980s VHS copy of Dune. Like <laughs> that, it's going to be, how do you get people to buy those things? It, that's going to be the same thing of how we get people to buy our NFTs. Right. Okay. So the, the tried and true stuff is still stuff. It's, it's kind of universal. Like you just, Web3 is just more tools at your disposal. It's just another tool in your tool belt. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then um I'm yeah, I'm curious who who from your from your view is using these tools the best? Like what's some of the most interesting creators? And maybe we could dovetail into business models, because that's that one that I'm interested in too. Yeah. I'm also interested in that one. I'm trying to rack my head around it. I think obviously the ones there are like two camps in my mind. Um, there's the artist camp who are the fine artists doing this, like the, like the X copies um, who are making things like this. And you're going to see a lot more digital artists go that, go that way. Like Ruben Wu, high craft photographers that are really experimenting with stuff and they can finally sell their things to a broader audience, right? Somebody in Indonesia now can make an NFT, build this out and, sell it to somebody in the US or Europe, right? That has a new way they never had before of making money. Um, and then you're going to see on the other half is you're going to have your community base, right? That's your Megapont. That's your board Ape. Proof is even like that, where you have your community base. What do you uh, like rally around? And that's the exact same thing as a fraternity or sorority in my mind as being a part of a fraternity in college. Like, when I went to the Megapomp party, I was like, this is exactly how it feels. It's the same feeling. I have people that have the shared and common language who are passionate about a thing coming together and celebrating. And that's, I think that's also key. And you're going to find that that's a human connection that we all want to have. Um, that I think is, is doing really, really cool things. It's, it's awesome. But now they have a bunch of money that can make bigger and better projects to keep doing this. I do think the, the storytelling aspect, the narrative will be the strongest thing to pull some of these projects through. Interesting. So one thing you didn't say in there is utility. Do you think that's the third piece or where does that fit into the overlay of mm. fire and community? I think, it, yeah. So that was a big, utility was a big buzzword. Community was a big buzzword. Utility was a big buzzword. Um, what does your NFT do? Uh, sometimes it can unlock certain things, right? That'd be the club membership aspect. Um, I think stuff that like Cycle is doing, it could be very interesting once built out a little bit, a little bit more. Um, once you get free access, like if Adobe had an NFT when they first launched that you got everything for free later on forever, That'd be a game changer and that would go for a lot of money. Um, is that something businesses can do? I think so. I think it's a great way to raise capital up front, but that, that offers a whole different sideshow of problems that you now have to deal with that when you're just a startup team, you probably don't have time for it and you should devote more to building your product first mm -hmm. and try to build a community. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... That utility part is the one that I'm, I feel like we're in, like, if crypto's in the first ending, the utility yeah. aspect of NFTs is like, they're still in the back warming up because it's like, <laughs> there's the idea of programming around a token, whether it's art or something else, like a Jay-Z album, like there's so much you could do with that and that and like in web map quest days where it's like i'm still printing shit out i'm still sending a transaction yeah. hoping like wait for block times all this stuff like that's just right that's, that's printing out looking for the sign addresses it's way too cumbersome the programmability of like holding something and you can float across they probably see proof do it the best is what my guess will yes. be like they'll do it first and the best 
and they'll lead the way on like you hold the you hold the moonbird and you're gonna float across all kinds of things from special discounts to private parties to whatever it is. But that's like there's still so much infrastructure to build for that to be even remotely practical. Right. Like you could uh, it'd be so many different things. So like if you wanted to if your favorite musician had an NFT collection that they drop and they select randomly, you know random numbers, whoever, whichever ones are, will you get backstage passes when we're in your city? You know, that's something that could be cool and easy, but I don't think of that as necessarily utility, but more as community building. Like, how am I giving back to my community? Um, I think Gary V and Proof did it really, Proof is going to do it right when they have their proof of conference, right? Where if you are a Proof Collective member, you get, you get to go to the conference for free. And then that's, again, that's about community building yes you're going to hear some cool speakers but do we really want to hang out with speakers or would you really just want to go to a bar and just hang out with everybody and mm-hmm. eat pizza and connect and network like and i think that's the again that kind of feels like a fraternity again how do i i know the secret handshake to get in the door um to and that's the extra utility i'm getting is my network that has grown through that and I think that's that's really key. I am interested in seeing storytelling NFTs take place. Like, what does it look like to go from, um, like, I say, a marvel of NFTs? What does it look like to build that all the way up? Um, starting with buying maybe a PFP to having characters in a show to doing something else. I think that really interests me. And you're going to, we're going to see a bunch come um come up in the next five years of people who are going to try. Um, um, and just, just so I'm clear, you mean like using common characters that are already kind of in the crypto culture or something else as far as storytelling? Something completely new. Mm-hmm. Um, like people are going to be able to tell stories that never had access to the technology or the infrastructure or the network to even do so, but they're good at telling stories. So the next Batman is going to come out like this. The next matrix is going to be done this way until it hits, you know, a feature length movie in the theater. It, and the the OGs are going to be able to go to that first screening when it first gets released. And that's going to be such a cool moment because they've been following this whole way and holding and, and seeing how that grows. And so how they use that, I think will be really interesting. I know there's, I think there's a big use case for how we view movies. Um, and I know there are a couple of projects thinking about this, making movies, releasing passes as NFTs. So you have to go to the website, like you would go to a Netflix, you go to the website, you connect your wallet. It sees that you have it. You can watch the movie. And when you're done, you can sell it. So there's a, there's an interesting way of how that moves and how demand generates, how the price moves and shakes. Um, will that work? I have no idea. It may be a very interesting way to do viral marketing. Put a billboard up in LA saying there's only a hundred of these to watch this movie. Go like buy it here. Be the first one. I think that could be very interesting. Again, you need a bigger studio or something behind it to really put the marketing dollars to make it happen. But I think a lot of use cases are going to come up like this that are really going to change how we think about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You basically say like it's going to continue to democratize and remove the gatekeepers so that stories that would otherwise not be told, they'll be able to find their critical mass and they're going to resonate so deeply with that. And it's going to be like crypto first. I'm also as you were talking, it made me think about like, it's crazy how like just in the past two months, it feels like AI is here now yeah, in a a huge way when it's been like hyped up for so long. Elon's talking about it's going to take over the world, doomsday, whatever. But now it's like AI can be a beautiful tool to expand art. And as you were talking about like kind of like storytelling in these new ways, I could totally see how you could take a PFP, render it, 
and then place it in like retargeted ads around the web. So if it's like, yep. hey, that's my megapot on that thing. Or uh-huh. I'm watching I'm watching a movie and that's my thing in the in the movie. If I'm watching it on like my phone, like it knows I'm watching it locally. <laughs> you can yeah. you can you can tailor them and the tech is pretty much here that you know if you're in VR or you're on your phone, uh, you know, you get to be like the side character that dies. Sorry, bro, you can't be the main <laughs> character, but it will be, you know, your lizard right. man or doodle or goblin town or whatever. Like that would be crazy. Right. Like in the background of uh the the bar scene shot, there's a there's an arcade thing, right? And if it's gonna read your wallet and find the the biggest club you're in and put, oh yeah, that's a that's a mutant ape arcade game. That's a megapon arcade game in the back. Just little stuff for you that maybe you don't know. There's kind of a tailor to the experience. Yeah. On the caveat of it, on the caveat of democratizing, one of the things I don't see happening is I think the hardest one's gonna break into is gonna be the music industry because of how we consume music. I think music will always need to be free through streaming. I think that's just the way it's been seen. I think but TikTok's done a very good job of allowing um, more people to have a viral moment. And I think there's a lot of Web3 cases to help indie artists not uh, use the big machines in order to get their music out there. I think that's where the big stuff is, is in. It's in the, in the uh, distribution, not necessarily the selling of music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to see, you know, Kendrick Romar's 10 songs that I own and nobody else does. That kind of takes away the beauty of the art. But I could see buying Kendrick Lamar NFT and be able to go backstage mm-hmm. or be able to get first access to the album when it comes out or do other perks like that, which you were talking about utility. And I, so that's where I think about, because everyone's talking about music NFTs. And I think, and a lot of very, very smart people with a lot, a lot of money are working very hard to make sure to bridge that gap. And so I'm interested to see what they, uh, they come up with. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, I want to start to bring this to a close. I want to riff on on uh, mm-hmm. the fantastic show that you guys do for a little bit. So, for those that don't know, what is what is the airdrop show that you guys produce and put out? Yeah, airdrop show uh, is a show where we're talking to NFT artists about what they do. So, if you're interested in the next JPEG gift collection. And how get getting the right people early? That's what uh, that's what we're doing. It's how to not become somebody else's exit liquidity. I think that's <laughs> the the show because I can't tell you how many times you'd be like, oh, that's cool, but I'm not gonna do anything. Wait a minute, this is really cool, and I missed out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of noise and a lot of things to sort through, especially looking for artists and helping the creator economy and how they're moving forward. Um, and we want to kind of be that leading edge for you uh, and what we're doing. We're, I got a lot of big plans, obviously, but this uh, everything changes and flows. I have a million ideas, and how do we execute on it best is always the hard part because I could, of course, go put something out, but I want to be able to back it up in the long, in the long term. How do you have a, right, the right business model to make this happen? Um, we started airdrop as under the premise that um, it's better to document your process than to come out with something fully fledged right away. So we didn't know what NFTs were when we started. We asked every guest as they came on in the first season, what is an NFT? And that's why we've learned so much. I learned best by talking to people. Just let me talk to the the people right up front about what this is. Instead of doing my, you know, hundred hours of research, let me just talk to a hundred people, and that's where uh, that's kind of how it started, and what we're doing, and what we're growing, and I'm I'm more focused on now is how how NFTs are moving and shaking, and what are the big artists doing and thinking about how they use their stuff, and trying to highlight highlight the artists, highlight the creators. That's where my heart is in. My heart is for the creator. So I want to see them succeed and how we, how do we use this for the creator economy? There's a lot of other shows that talk about NFTs and current events and how things are moving and shaking. 
Um, we're not a trading show because I have yet to successfully trade. So I can't tell you anything about how to do that. But I can maybe give you some insight of these are the people that might blow up because their art is good. Well, one, because their art is good. Two, because they're diligent enough to put in the time. And three, they're not in it for the money. They're in it just to create. And that means when the money goes away, like we've seen it now with a bear market, and when the money comes back in the bull market, they'll still be there. And because it's not about the money, it's about the aspect of creating. And that's uh that's what really gets my juices flowing. And there's a lot of a lot of interesting, cool artists that are out there doing really, really cool things. Yeah, the thing I love about your show is that when you are a creator and you're talking like most most top-tier creators are too busy to really like give you the alpha of how they're doing it. You know, like how mm-hmm. sausage is made. And so when you listen to a half hour interview, a question will come up that the response is like, it's the almost the way he answers sometimes that will like trigger you or just like one little line. It's just like a nugget and you'll use that and just like run with it. So from like the creator, creator side, that is like, it's the most like raw source truth alpha you can find as far as like how to use NFTs at the bleeding edge. Right. Because we're all thinking, I mean, this is what I was thinking. You hear about NFTs, you start researching it, you buy your first NFT, which is a gateway drug in and of itself. Just like when you buy your first crypto, it's like, wait a minute. And then you start thinking, well, how do I do this? What do I bring to the world? How how can I use this? I want to be creative, right? We had like Tyler Faust on who literally started creating because he was trying to keep his mind occupied during lectures in med school. Like, and now is his art career makes the same as his real job. So it's like, this is a weird thing. Everybody, I believe, is creative. And I think there's a, there's a democratization, a new renaissance of creativity that's coming that I believe everybody should be a part of. So I want to talk to the best and the brightest. So maybe we can start thinking to ourselves, how do I do this? What does this look like for me? And uh, then we should get in touch and talk about it because I'm, I'm here to listen to ideas, flesh them out maybe poke some holes and maybe say, maybe it's just time to start, start creating and see what happens. Yep. What's a, what's a couple of the biggest things you've learned since starting the show? Ooh. Um, I think there's a listening to a lot of people. It's the same thing over and over again, right? It's the, it's the create every day. Even if it sucks, you just have to keep going, put your 10,000 hours in and also, but the and also on that is that that everything kind of meets in the middle with Web three. Web three is this kind of nexus where art, community, fashion, um, technology, all kind of mix in this weird space in the middle. And right now, there's not a lot of us out there, you know, compared to how many people there are, say, on the internet. And so, everyone is here to help each other grow. And I think that's really, really cool. There's like come. There's not a competition yet. It's all camaraderie on how do I help you because I want to help you, not because I want anything out of it. And on the flip side of that, there's a lot of hype, like almost too much to where you think you might miss out on something or somebody makes it big and then they want to tell you, this is the way you have to do it. And that's kind of that toxic culture that kind of seeps through when you're on top and that I, to be honest, I think it happens to everybody when they're on top. Um, when you, when you've made it, you think you know what happened and you don't want to say that more luck was involved than it actually is. Um, I think it's something that Bitcoiners can really think about because when you bought early, cause you knew early, not because you were smarter. Um, you just happen to, eh, we're here. So I think there's a lot of room to grow in the space. I think it's so early. I think crypto's in the first inning. I think NFTs just showed up to the stadium. Mm. Like, I think that's where we're at. Um, and we just, some people just got off the bus in some flashy suits and everyone's taking paparazzi pictures because it's awesome, but we haven't seen them play out yet. Right. We don't know what they're going to do. So they could fumble on the, on the one yard line and lose the game to right. mix up our sports analogies. But that's a, uh, we don't know what's going to happen yet. I think it's it's really interesting. And in 10 years, I think everyone's going to own an NFT. And I think it's going to happen 
through gaming. It's going to happen through storytelling. It's going to happen through music. It's going to be through entertainment that it's going to happen. I I couldn't agree more. I think that's one of the things that really drives me the, the craziest about these like proof of work, proof of stake debates, or NFTs are dumb, or whatever it is. It's like we don't we haven't been here long enough in crypto at all to even remotely have any like strong strong conviction. Like Bitcoin could, could go to zero, like for real, for real. Still, like some crazy right. stuff could happen. A new ASIC gets invented. Who knows? Satoshi moves his wallet. Whatever, something could happen. Right, and it would just nose die because they're like we just don't know, and they're just so confident, and they are correct. That's uh, especially as a, as a new crypto person, I just don't understand. I'm all for passion. I'm all for confidence. I'm also for the saying, "I am wrong." If you can say that, <laughs> I am wrong. You are you're probably more more emotionally intelligent than 98 percent of other humans out there. Right. Um, but no, please be passionate. And please, on the other hand, be able to say I was wrong really easily. And just like I can say I was wrong when I thought about NFTs, about royalties. I thought that was just in the smart contract. I was totally wrong. And I told a bunch of people um, and I've had, had to edit out of the shows <laughs> post now because I was like, yep, that wasn't quite right. Yep. Um, so that's that's just how the cookie crumbles. Right. OK, I got one more question before we close this out. But before we get to it, uh, where can people find you? What's the links? Airdrop, Prosperous, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easiest way is on Twitter, um, at Airdrop Show, or at Phosphorus BTC. I'm sure the links will be in this description. Um, and yeah, yeah, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search Airdrop NFT Show. We're right there. Um, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, um, everywhere you listen to podcasts. I think I have one coming out real soon. I'm work. I'm, I'm gonna finish it after we wrap this interview. Hell yeah, perfect. Yeah, and this dude puts out the whole show, like everything they do. They they put out website clips, uh, you know, production value. It's just top tier. So highly recommend Airdrop Show. Um, but last question, I like to end on a high note. I like to force people to kind of think outside the box. You know, put put the rosy colored glasses on. So. In a perfect world, uh, what is Phosphorus or Airdrop Show? You can take either one. What does it look like in five years if you guys just like crushing execution, everything goes perfectly? What's five years from now look like? Mm, five years. It's 2022. So 2027. Um, we're probably in the middle of another bear market at that point. So we've probably crushed it like in three years and become like a big source. And we're, we're, we've become a lot of people's first, you know, NFT they found through us as we help onboard a bunch of people. Um, and then it kind of tanks a little bit and we're all trying to freak out whether we all made the right decision and then it happens again. And then we, we start coming back to our senses and coming back to our, uh, our, our morals and our core values we can just kind of say, no, no, I'm in here for the for the right reason, for the creatives. And we get a whole new class of new green people that are ready to be onboarded. And we give them the best products possible and the best artists and help a whole new class of people enter the crypto space, which I think is everybody's goal. Um, it's more and more adoption, more people understanding it and realizing how it can benefit their lives. And I mean... Hopefully, throw some rat events. I, five years, I, we better be able to throw some rat events. It's like in person stuff. That is a practical, very real answer. Because, <laughs> like, I'm thinking of like in, in Portland, we have tons of food trucks. They're all over the place, and like right. in, the sum, in the summertime, they are popping, so busy. And then in the wintertime, no one's going outside in Portland because it's cold, it's raining, and you see a lot of them will like disappear by next summer because they didn't account for the slowdown. You're baking yeah. it in already where you're like, we're going to crush it in 2025. 2027, we're going to live off 2025. And then in 2030, we're going to be the biggest thing since sliced bread. And we're going to throw right. like VCon style events, but for the future, future plebs. I have to like think about it. I'd be like, all right, there are ups and there are downs and they all happen to us. Uh, where, where is this going to be? I mean, I'm, I'm too obsessed with the Web3 space now to stop. Um, so I'm going to be here 
talking to artists, being like, how the hell are you doing this? Where did this idea come from? And how can we get more? That's, that's, that's the conversation that's always going to be happening forever. I love it. Cool, man. That's a, I think that's a great way to end it. And any, I appreciate you bringing on. I appreciate you having me on the show. No, man, I appreciate you coming on. Any, any closing thoughts before we officially hit the end button? Yeah. If you're a Bitcoiner listening to this, NFTs are not the enemy. They're here to help you. And, uh, I think, and you can do it through stacks. So it's secured on Bitcoin. So we keep our, keep our faith true. Perfect. I'm uh, I'm going to clip that. I'm going to put it as a new intro and every episode is going to start with that. Bitcoiners, <laughs> they're, they're not your enemy. It's perfect. Uh, man, and, Caleb. And you, and you can get, and you can get one of Jake's, uh, Jake blockchains, NFTs over at gamma.io. That's right. If you're, if you're want to come on the show, you will be immortalized as a both on Bitcoin NFT. You're part of the future. So, uh, now you're on that list, Caleb. So appreciate wait. you coming on the show. Thank you so much, my man. Peace out, dude. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now, been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong in my house.